How you doing? Uh, really excited to preach today. Uh, my name is Jason. If I haven't met you, I'm the college pastor here. And we have been going through this series together as a church, talking about the DNA of all people's church. And we've been showing this lightning diagram. Have you seen this thing? Right? The five lightning bolts of what we think God wants to do in our city. Uh, that we're spirit-empowered. Uh, that we're ministering to the poor. That we're seeing bringing the healing of Jesus to physical, emotional, and racial pain. We're blessing the body of Christ. And today we're going to focus on boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. And, you know, why do we care about boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus? Glad you asked. It's because that's what transforms lives. And, you know, our mission statement here at the church is transforming lives to bless San Diego, planting churches to transform nations. So the central thing we want to do together as part of this church family is see lives transformed. And it starts with you and me. Like, how many of you need life transformation? Raise your hand real quick. So, okay. You need life transformation. I need life transformation. We want to see our city transformed. We want to see the nations transformed. Uh, I got to, a few years ago, I got to spend a few minutes with one of my heroes in my life. Uh, I don't know if you've ever gotten to hang out with a hero that you have, but this guy is a pastor. He's been a pastor for many years, planted and built this amazing church. Uh, he has sent out church planters all over the globe. So he's seen this huge movement across the world impacting the nations for Jesus. And I had like five minutes with him, so I knew I could ask him one question. And I was trying to think, I was like, what am I going to ask? I only have time for one question. What can I ask him? And, you know, I thought, maybe I'll ask him. No, that's not the right question. How about that? No, that's not the right question. And then I thought, I know what I'll ask. So I said, hey, you've been in the game for a while, right? Many years building churches. Uh, I'm sure you've made some mistakes along the way. I'm sure you've found some things that are really central and important. And I just said, what would you say to, to me a guy who just would love to build churches that transform lives. Like, not churches that just you come and listen and you go home, but like churches that transform lives and like change cities and change nations. Like, tell me how to do it. It's like, good job, Jason. The broadest question of all time. And he paused for about five seconds, and then he said, Jason, you need the goo and the go. He's like, do you know what that means? And I was like, no, I don't know what that means. And he said, you need the goo, which is the gooey friendship, relationship, community, family, like the gooey mess that's all sticky and gooey and good. But you can't just have the goo. You've got to have the go as well. You've got to have the mission. If you just do goo, it gets boring and messy and inward. It's not good. But if you have goo and go... That is a nation-transforming church. And so that's what we're going to focus on today, is being the goo and the go. And I'm going to ask you the question, do you have the goo and do you have the go in your lifestyle? So we're going to look at Matthew uh, chapter 28, which is known as the Great Commission. But we're going to start two verses before the Great Commission, verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. 
When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All right, so verse 16, you know, whenever I hear the Great Commission, it always starts verse 18, like, go make disciples. And it was so interesting reading verse 16, because it says in verse 16, then the 11 disciples, then the 11 disciples. And I sat on that for a little while, and I thought, that is so interesting. This wasn't just Peter walking up the mountain by himself. There was this crew of guys, 11 guys, doing life together, walking up the mountain that day, looking for Jesus. And it's so important for us to realize, yes, we have a private, personal relationship with Jesus, but being a part of Jesus and his church is not an individual thing only. It is a, it's a living life with others thing. There is so much power in doing life together with other people. I also thought, man, doing anything with 11 guys is pretty awesome. Just walking around with 11 guys. I used to be on basketball teams a lot. Like tw there's 12 guys on a basketball team. Like walking around, like driving around in minivans with 12 people, and you're getting out, you're walking down the street, like, yeah, you know, you're not going to mess with 12 guys walking together, right? Like there's some power. There's this conquering kind of motivating experience of being with your crew, right? Uh, even if you have one other person with you, it's powerful. In fact, a few years ago, I, you know, I, I'm in sales in, a, in, in one of my jobs, and my friend, my colleague and I, his name's Andrew, we, uh, we had to go give a presentation to a company up in Northern California, and we kind of drove up to the company in our little rental car, and we, you know, we've been driving for an hour and a half. We pull up in front of the building, and we're like, all right, we got to go inside and pitch a product to the CEO and chief marketing officer of a big company. So we pull up and we park the car and start putting on our ties, putting on our jackets. We get out and we start kind of walking in. And then I stop and I'm like, Andrew, something's not right, man. Let's go back to the car. So we go back to the car. We sit down. I'm like, Andrew, just trust me on this. Just take off your tie. So we take off our ties. And I'm like, close your eyes, Andrew. <laughs> and then I turn this on. And with our eyes closed, I turned to Andrew and I said, now let's put on our ties. And we started tying our ties. And then we really started tying our ties, like with, with some attitude, you know? And then we started looking at each other, we're like, oh yeah, we're gonna do this. And we started talking trash to each other and saying, let's go conquer this thing, man. This CEO's got nothing. We can sell this product. We put on our jacket, we kept the music up as we walked down the street just to do that, and then I went back and turned it off. Okay, that was it. It's a game changer though right there. Everything changed when we agreed together to have a conquering spirit, like, hey, let's go do this thing. Listen, you need a crew with you. Doing life alone is hard. How many of you know you're in a battle in life? Like, life is just a gnarly battle every day. If you are trying to do life alone, 
you're going to struggle. You are going to struggle if you're trying to do life alone. So my question to you is, who is your crew? Who's your 11? Who's the crew that you roll with? You may come to church a lot, but who's your crew? Who do you walk with in your life? What do you do together? Who's with you? You need people with you. Listen, when I, uh, when I first came to Christ when I was 19, that day was amazing when I gave my heart to Jesus. And yes, I got saved that day. But the next year of my life, I struggled. I went to church, but I struggled. I was like seeing a little bit of transformation in my life, but it was kind of slow. Something changed my life, though. One year later, my friend Joel, he said, hey, Jason, what are you doing tomorrow night? nothing. You should come to Mustang Village, which is an apartment complex. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> it's kind of a dumpy apartment complex. Okay. Uh, he said, we're having a Bible study. A bunch of guys are getting together to study the Bible. I was like, okay, sounds cool. I went to this thing. That changed my life forever, being in that room. Why? I suddenly found my crew. This was my first crew I ever, I ever rolled with in Jesus. I saw three guys. There was like 15 people there, but there was these three guys in particular. I was like, I've never met people like that. The way he talks about God, the passion he has, the way they talk to each other, the way they pray for each other. I was like, this is awesome. I'm going to be their friend. So I targeted those three guys. I'm like, I am now their friends. And we started hanging out. Do you know what started happening to me by hanging out with these guys? I started getting on fire, for real on fire. My... Life was like this, but now it was like skyrocket of transformation in my life. Why? Because when you jump in a hot tub, you, you get hot. When you get in a hot tub, you get hot. Eventually, you'll get it. You'll heat up. Why? Because you're in that environment. You're hot. I had a friend who, <laughs> we moved into an apartment complex once that had a hot tub, and I was really excited, so I called my friend, Sam. I was like, Sam, let's hang out in the hot tub tomorrow. It was like the middle of winter. The, the cold California winters. But it was quite cold. He comes over. We put on our swimming shorts and grab our towels. We're like, oh, it's really cold, and the hot tub's a long way away, but let's go for it. So we, we sprint out the door, like freezing, barefoot. We're so excited to get to the hot tub. We finally get there. We jump in, and lukewarm water. The heater wasn't on. Have you ever been in a lukewarm hot tub? It is disgusting. I don't know what it is. You just like feel the grossness of being in lukewarm water. And you're like, ah, other people, oh, you know. The lukewarm experience is terrible, right? And if you look at your life and you wonder why you're not seeing transformation, you wonder why you're not on fire, it's because you're sitting in lukewarm relationships, you're around lukewarm people, you're just hanging out in a lukewarm environment, and you're expecting yourself to get on fire. It doesn't work. You need to get in a hot tub with hot people, people that are on fire for Jesus that are going to heat you up whether you like it or not. This is one of the best things you can learn about your life because you're going to go through seasons where you're not feeling it, where you feel depressed, where you're like, I'm not hearing God right now. I feel distant. Just stay in the hot tub. Are you hearing me? Like you need a crew of people that are hot, because you get hot. You know you want to be hot. Listen, the enemy's goal is to isolate you. Jesus' goal is to get you in this. 
That's why Jesus didn't just call 12 disciples. You ever think about this? He didn't call 12 disciples and just hang out with them separately. I'll meet you for coffee next week, Peter. Meet you for coffee next, you know. No, he got out. They, were, they rolled together. That would take forever. That would be a lot of meetings. All right. What did these guys do, to, do together? The 11. They went to the mountain. That's what it says. I want to ask you, what do you and your friends do? when you spend time together. Because, like I was just saying, when I finally found my first Christian crew of guys, game changer, because before that, I just hung out with guys and played video games and like ate stuff, watched basketball. I mean, that's all good, do it. But you need a crew of people that go up the mountain together. When I started hanging out with these guys, it was so weird to me, it was amazing. Because it was like, what, you know, Hey, Jason, what are you doing? We're going we're gonna to go over to, uh, to Joel's house, and we're just going to worship. Okay. <laughs> Never thought about doing that with my friends before, but okay. Go over, pull out a guitar. You know, we worship all night. Every few nights that was happening, you know, I, I remember living with Christian guys for the first time. I walked down my stairs at 5.30 a.m. to go to work, and I see my friend on his knees in front of the fireplace with his Bible open at 5.30 a.m., praying and worshiping by himself. <laughs> you know, this is mind-blowing stuff being around these kinds of people. I remember getting in a car with my friends to go to the beach, and they're like, hold on, let's pray before we go. Let's pray that we meet someone who doesn't know Jesus. <laughs> like, who are you guys? Different lifestyle, man. Who do you hang out with? What do you do together? You need friends that go to the mountain. You need friends around you that are seeking God, running after Jesus. It will change your life forever. So this is a lifestyle that is my water spilling. The next sentence is so cool because it says, but some doubted. They saw Jesus and some doubted. This really encouraged me seeing this because the Bible's so real. Do you know what I'm saying? The Bible tells you the truth. Do you know what the really good news is about this? If some of the 11 guys doubted, what does that mean? Some of them believed. If some of them doubted, most of them were believing what Jesus was saying and had the faith for it. And I want to tell you, you need a crew because some days you don't believe. Some days you need somebody else to believe for you and, and help you get into it. Sometimes you need healing and you don't believe you can get healed, but all your buddies do. And they keep calling, like, it's coming, man. You're going to get healed. I'm praying for you. I'm with you. You can't believe for your financial breakthrough, but all your friends keep telling you every day, it's coming. God's going to provide. God's good. He's good. He's good. And then you suddenly start believing. And then the next day they don't believe, but you do. And then you're encouraging them. That's why you need a crew. That's why you're like, I'm sick. Whenever I come to all people's church, they talk about life groups all the time. This is why you need a crew. You need to move beyond the, sitting in a crowd and getting a part of a crew, getting a part of real relationships together. It is a game changer. All right, and then Jesus stands in front of them, and he says this. He says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Don't ever buy the lie that Jesus is just another man, just a teacher. No. Who can say that? All authority on heaven and earth is mine. 
I've been doing ministry for years, raising you guys up. Like, this is the moment, right? Like, what's he going to say? What is he going to say? All this has culminated into this one moment. And what does he say to these guys? He says, go. So listen, we need the goo of being in friendship, relationships, surrounded in that hot tub. But we can't just have that. We have to have the go. We've got to be on mission. You know, some people call this the great commission. And I've heard it also called the great commandment. Like, you are commanded, church, to go. You got to go. This needs to be in our DNA. And Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, he says, Listen, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So do you hear that? The harvest is ripe right now. Even during COVID, every season is ripe harvest. The problem is not the harvest. The problem is the workers. Where are the workers? He's, he's speaking to us, guys, to me, to you. The harvest is ripe, church. Go serve someone. Go love someone. Go bring the, proclaim the gospel to people. The harvest is ripe. In fact, we really feel, as we talk to each other here in the church, the harvest is more ripe than ever right now. The enemy wants you to stay at home and sit in a cave by yourself. And Jesus is saying, come on, go. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe. People are ready. Uh, there's this book I read that really impacted my life by uh, a pastor. His name is Matthew Barnett, who planted the Dream Center up in L.A. Really thriving church, serves tens of thousands of homeless and the needy and addicts. And it's insane, amazing. In this book he wrote called The Cause Within You, one of his church members wrote a little piece of it. And I love it. So this guy in his church, he came to Jesus uh, and saw his own life transformed by Jesus. He's a pretty intellectual guy, so he started reading the Bible for the first time, and he was reading the book of Hebrews, where it talks about the angel's position, like angels above or below men, and there's kind of a lot of opinions on that, like, are the angels above men or below, or, you know, where do they fit? So he wrote a 27-page thesis on this topic of the angels and their position, okay? So he wrote 27 pages studying this. He brings it to Pastor Matthew and says, hands it to him and says, I've put a lot of work into this, been studying and studying. Could you read this and tell me your opinion? And this is what happened. He looked at me and said, who cares? <laughs> who does this help? Whose life does this change? And I said, I don't know. He said, nobody, that's who. No one. Zero people. You know what you need to do with this? Get rid of it and go out and feed someone. Get rid of it and go help somebody. Then, if you still need to know the answer to that question, ask Jesus after you die. <laughs> For now, that stuff doesn't matter. Find someone to help and take care of their needs. That says what I want to say right now, which is church, we 
It's great that we come to church. It's great that we hear sermons. It's great you watch sermons on YouTube. It's great. Good, cool. But get up and help somebody. Like, there's people sitting next to you that need help. Look at the person next to you and say, you need help. I'm not kidding. We get so stuck in the philosophy, the, the concepts of changing the world, we don't change the world. We just talk about stuff, and we don't actually love and serve somebody and help somebody. Let's go, church. Let's go. We can't just have goo. We've got to go. You've got to walk across, across the room and talk to somebody. You've got to go. I love the Hope Center that we started yesterday, right, where we fed 28 families. A bunch of you came out to just serve. Just do something. You don't need a lightning bolt voice from heaven saying, you are called to kids' ministry. <laughs> Maybe that'll happen, but just get busy. Go help and serve somebody somewhere. Get around people that are serving people. It'll change your life. We've got to have the go. We need not just butts in seats. We need boots on streets, right? We need, we need to be the boots on the ground, doing the work, proclaiming the gospel to people. And the gospel is just the beginning of transformation. What does Jesus say next? Make disciples. I like that phrase a lot because he didn't say, find disciples. He said, make disciples, which talks about a process, right? It speaks of forming somebody and raising them up, fathering or mothering them, raising them up as a disciple of Jesus. Something that really helped me to understand is that transformation is a process. And discipleship is one of the key pieces of being transformed yourself. So I want to point it at you for a second, shine the light on yourself and go, am I walking in discipleship? I'm going to show you four levels of discipleship. Jesus, let this marker work. Okay, good. I know you can't see it very well over there. That's all right. From the left to the right means more, the more you go this way, the more discipleship you got. I'm going to talk about four levels of being discipled. And the more discipleship you get, so the more you move this way, the more life transformation you get. The first level of discipleship is, we'll call it crowd discipleship. That means like this. You, you're coming and hearing the word of God. You're receiving the word. It's cool. Jesus preached to multitudes, and that is transformational. Like that will transform you to a level. But the next level is where you get in the life group level where you're like with this crew, right? Like a smaller group of, like people know who you are and they notice when you don't show up, they give you a call and you know each other, you're living life together. That's level two. And you'll, your life will transform so much more like mine did. Level three discipleship, one-on-one. -on -one. This is where like Stephen, I'll use him as, this is like him pouring into my life. Like him like, Meeting, praying for me, meeting with me, helping me grow with Jesus. He's got like, I'm getting personal attention from somebody investing in me. You wait for that because that's going to freak you right out. If you get discipled, you're going to get transformed. I remember when I started going to that, that life group with those guys, there was a guy there called Mark. He took me out for some tri-tip, man, and he opened a Bible at the restaurant, and he spoke into my life and said, I'm praying for you, Jason. I got vision for your life. I'm going to help you. That transformed me. 
Are you ready for level four discipleship? Because this, I don't know if you're ready. Are you ready? Okay. This is where you're not just getting... <laughs> I forgot how to spell for a second. This is not just where you're getting invested in. Steven's pouring into my life. Great, great, great. No, this is where I am now building the church together with him. I'm now turning and discipling other people. I'm now a part of serving people. When I do that, when I get into level four discipleship, I get transformed. When I'm serving others, I get transformed. You want life transformation? You want to get hot and on fire? Get the goo, but get discipled and get going. Get moving. You got to go. You with me? All right, so transformation is a process. We live in a culture that celebrates the finished product a lot. Something I'm really proud about with our church is we celebrate every step of transformation in somebody's life. We celebrate every step. When somebody has a little breakthrough, you're cheering for them. Yeah, you didn't yell at your wife today because you got a little more. You forgave your sister. You know, I talked to a guy two weeks ago. He's like, I read my Bible for the first time, and I did it five days in a row. I talked to another guy last week. He said, I fasted for the first time. And I said, are you serious? That's hardcore. Three and a half days he fasted. I was like, man, why? He's like, I needed an answer from God, and I got it. I got my answer. I later found out he did that because he was around some guys that were fasting. Hello. Good stuff. It's so good. Getting in the culture. You know, I watched this YouTube video a few months ago. It was three minutes long of somebody building a retaining wall. It was in fast forward. So it took three minutes. But I was like, cool, I could do that in a couple days. And then I read the fine print, and he's like, this took me three months, five hours a day. And that is what we think about disciple. Like, we think transformation is like, gave my life to Jesus, I'm transformed. You know when you came to Jesus, yeah, you're saved, but you still got a lot of problems. You still need a lot of transformation. And we need to walk through a process of being transformed through discipleship and community. And I want us to get really good at, you know, as a church, can we get good at celebrating each other's victories? Celebrating when somebody has a little breakthrough? Celebrating yourself when you have a little, when you say no to that sin that you've turned to a million times, you said no one time, celebrate that. That's big time. When you turn to God instead of to porn that one time, because you're, you're, you're getting transformed, right? When you take those little steps, man, that is huge and a big deal. We want to celebrate that. Our slam dunk as a church is not that you're perfect. It's that you're making progress, that you're being transformed, you're, you're progressing, moving forward. All right. So we're making disciples. And then he says, make disciples of all nations. So Jesus says, hey, don't just get focused on your little, little thing. You need to contend for the nations. So church, you are called to contend for the nations. We as a church are contending, dreaming that we would plant a thousand churches globally, dreaming that we will see nations transformed you know, you can get involved contending for the nations by praying for the nations, by giving financially to help those teams go, by going on trips when we go on trips to the other nations, short terms. And some of you need to literally 
pack up your life and move to other nations to be on our church planting teams, to lead a church plant. I really felt as I was praying this, this week, actually, that some of you are even a little older in age, but God's saying, it's time to actually think about going, moving. It's time to go. Time to go. And, uh, you know, God wants us to contend for the nations. He then says, baptizing them. Just by a quick show of hands, really curious, how many of you have gotten to actually baptize somebody yourself? Like, you're the one putting them down in the water. Raise a, raise a hand real high. Awesome. That's so cool. I don't know if you've thought about this, everyone, but part of the Great Commission is that you would baptize people. And I challenge you to make that a real goal in your life, that not only would you proclaim the gospel to people, but that you would go take them in the water and baptize them. Uh, church baptism services are great. I personally love even more when you're baptizing somebody in a bathtub or you're baptizing somebody on your way because you're at, we're at the beach right now. Let's do it. Let's baptize this person, you know. So let's be a church that baptizes people. Get in on the action. He then says teaching them. Two quick points on this. Some of you might think, I don't have something to teach somebody else. I don't have much to say. Some of the best advice I've ever gotten, it stuck with me forever. Somebody said to me once, Jason, you do not need to make the word of God powerful. It already is. What does that mean? When you sit in front of somebody and you share the word of God with them, it's powerful. It doesn't matter if you're eloquent and persuasive and how you, I didn't say that perfectly. That doesn't matter. The word of God is powerful. It says in Isaiah 55, the word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return void. It will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word will achieve the purpose for which it was sent. So you have the power of God's word in your hand and in your mouth that's why I always encourage people, if you're, if you're discipling somebody, just do this. When you're sitting down with them, open a Bible made of paper. Open a Bible and just read from it. To that, It's transformative. You have something to give. And, you know, the other point about teaching others is you are the biggest lesson. Just getting around you is going to get that person on fire. And you can be proud about that. Jesus is in me. I'm getting all heated up because I'm on fire. When you hang out with me a bit, you're going to get on fire too. And so we need to bring people into our lives, pull them into the hot tub with us, and then we're going to see their lives transformed as a result. All right, and then Jesus ends by saying, I'm with you. Always, to the very end of the age, I'm with you. So guys, we can go out in confidence. We can go make disciples. We can baptize people and teach them. But it starts with our own life transformation. So uh, let's all stand up.